Hey Sam. Hey Sam. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Hey, hey Sam. Sam. <laughs> what? Okay. Nothing. What's up? Nothing. How are you? Nothing. I'm just, just chuckling. Ch- chuckling. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I'm doing really well. Um, this week, it was the week after Labor Day. I had friends who came up for Labor Day, and it was a really good time. Um, they were really banking on this narrative that they're from the, the like small countryside in the big city. And they're from like San Diego <laughs> and Temecula, so you know it. It, it is I the guess. country, I guess. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, they were just like, "Wow, this is such a big city," and like, "Wow, like I can't believe all these things." You know, like I is just as a city, as a country kid, you know, and all these things. It was kind of a funny meme throughout the weekend, but it was like kind of like, oh, because I had to take them to like the tourist traps, I know, so that they could get the full like big city experience i like refuse to take people to tourist traps yeah and as someone from la going to tourist traps stressful. (laughs) (laughs) no yeah i i like going to the bay area because i feel like y'all take me to like the low-key like cool spots to check out but they're not like crowded or like you gotta wait in line to see an attraction it's just like you go in you're gone yeah like the, the bulb when you took me to the bulb I did take you to the bulb. The bulb was good. But yeah, that was my weekend. And so, yeah, the I bulb was started. really good. It's a nice different take on like exploring a new city. But yeah, that was my weekend. So I'm very good. How are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm having a really hard week. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotions. By the time this episode comes out, I think I'm going to only be having my last few days of work. And... There's just a lot of going, things going on in my family, and it was hard. And, I mean, we can talk about how my family relates to this episode, because a big reason why this episode, which is, if you're looking at the title, you're going to be like, what? Pollo Campero? <laughs> it's related to my family, because yeah. <laughs> I went to Nashville. I may have mentioned it before, and... I visited some family I hadn't seen in over 10 years, and it was really good. It was really good reconnecting with them. I actually had a really fun time. Uh, I didn't have a fun time because they live kind of in the boonies of Nashville. Not even in Nashville. They're like 30 minutes away from Nashville. So I was like, in the country. And it was still chill when I did get to go to Mm -hmm. Nashville. And (laughs) we went to Pollo Campero. And it was funny because I was... uh, When when I, like, looked... (laughs) And I booked this trip and everything, and I was like, "Oh, you, I'm, I'm down, I'm ready to go." I looked up like what are good things to do, yeah. and I usually go to to Reddit to go. So I usually go to Reddit and I look on the mm. city subreddit. So I don't know how many people here are familiar with Reddit, but it's like a forums website, and there's like subreddits where it's a specific forum towards a topic. So there is a Los Angeles forum where people post like LA news, LA politics, um, funny LA shit, um, shows that are based in LA, fun facts, you know, literally anything related to Los Angeles. And 
that's like one that we can that I use actually. Uh, but when I travel, I always try to get on Reddit to see if there are any really good restaurant recommendations and all that stuff. So I did that, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's any yeah. like Central American presence here because that's just interesting. And I straight up like looked up Central American, and the first thing that yeah. popped up was Pollo Campero like grand opening or <laughs> and some dude on reddit shout out to reddit he actually heard the pod Ooh. i told him to listen to the pod and he said he really liked it so ha uh, shout out to the guy on reddit if you actually still <laughs> listen to this pod because he basically like inspired this episode saying that <laughs> he was excited for the spoil competitor to open and he's salvadoran and he just wanted to share it with like fellow redditors from the area and that it's a big deal and that the chicken is bomb and all that type of shit. Yeah. And yeah, like it's cool that this is happening and this is coming. So I just thought it was funny. Like that's just the thing that pops up because I mean, we grew up with Pollo Campero. I live very close to one. So do you. And Pollo Campero is a staple for sure in Los Angeles and a lot of major mm-hmm. cities where Central Americans reside. So... I just thought it was hilarious. And in a way, I was like, hmm, maybe that, like, legitimizes the Central American community in Nashville because there's, like, enough of a market mm. that people are down for Pollo Campero. And, and I asked my cousin about it. She's like, yeah, I already went four times when, after the month that it opened. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, y'all really were, like, about it then. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Four times. I mean, it's it's really good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was hilarious that, that she went. <laughs> already when i asked her and it had only been open for one month you know she said that there was like Mm -hmm. huge lines on opening day and it's uh, it was like a huge deal and now it's like chill but it it Mm -hmm. was just funny to me so i just wanted i reached out to poca Beto. literally (laughs) i like dm'd them and i was like can we do an episode with you or about you like is this like a thing can we do this legally like And they were down. They were really down. So I had an appointment with the senior director of marketing. He will introduce himself when we transition to that part of the episode. And yeah, he was born in in El Salvador and he like went to the U.S. and he has been working for Pollo Campero for a minute. So obviously he likes Pollo Campero. (laughs) And he he, it's a good interview. He talks a lot about like his own journey (laughs) with Pollo Campero as like, being in El Salvador with it and then like working for them and the story essentially of like where it started uh, Pollo Campero is from Guatemala and he gives a really good picture about it I mean he's the director of marketing you know he has to sell you the product you know so he has that good like salesman type of voice so I think he does a good job of breaking it down breaking down like the markets and the importance of it for him and for the community and we also get in to a very controversial thing that I wanted to ask. So I'm excited for y'all to hear it. And you'd be like, gasp. <laughs> so I hope y'all like it. Yes. I'm hella down for this. Cool. Okay. So what role do you personally have at Pollo Campero? And who are you? What is your name? My name is Federico Valiente, and I'm currently the director of marketing for Campero USA. So my role is to oversee all the marketing and sales strategies and programs 
as we expand the brand here in the U.S. I am based out of Dallas, Texas, where Campero has been headquartered in the U.S. since 2007. And we have restaurants from, from coast to coast, basically from Southern California all the way to Boston, Massachusetts. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm actually from El Salvador. Um, I was born and raised in El Salvador, and, I'm, and I've been in the United States since 2006. So since Pollo Campero came to the... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes, almost actually. Since Campero, Campero started in the U.S. or opened its first restaurants in the U.S. a few years before that. But it was not Pollo Campero that brought me to the U.S. I came here to go to school and I ended up staying here, finding a few opportunities. And, and Campero was one of them. But yes, I've been, I've been in the U.S. myself since 06. I wanted to ask if you could give a brief overview of the origins of Pollo Campero, where it's from, and what it, what it is, what it's about. Um, so Pollo Campero started in 1971 in Guatemala as a family-owned business. And many years later, and hundreds of restaurants later, Pollo Campero it continues to be a family-owned business today, focused on flavorful chicken recipes it started out with the intent of of delighting guests bringing families together and it is a it is a core mission that we still have today um, everywhere in the world it started in guatemala and soon after opened pollo campero opened a restaurant in el salvador as well and i'm sure that you, you probably know this but people from el salvador think pollo campero is from el salvador yes funny, they do. i don't know funny, why Yes, funny personal story. I did not know that Pollo Campero was not Salvadoran until I started working for Pollo Campero in 2010. So that's how that's how rooted and part of the of the culture it is for 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 the countries in Central America in terms of a, from a brand standpoint. Yeah, and from what I know, I I think there are also a couple of like knockoff brands as well in Central America of Pollo Campero. Like that's how big the impact is. There are a few wannabes out there. Um <laughs> certainly, certainly. Okay. Uh I wanted to ask about uh how does franchising work in bringing a Pollo Campero to a city and if you could also talk about I guess the origins of Pollo Campero outside of Central America and in the United States. Yeah, so Pollo Campero started expanding outside of El Salvador and Guatemala through franchising in the 90s. We opened restaurants in Honduras and Nicaragua. We opened restaurants in Ecuador. And in 2002, we came to the U.S. We opened our first U.S. location in California on Olympic and Union. It's a restaurant that, that's still there today. And it was through franchising as well. In how we go about franchising today, we we focus on certain geographies within the United States as we try to grow to critical mass in the different regions that we currently serve. When Campero first came to the U.S., um, we certainly opened or planted those flags right in the heart of those Central American communities, as was the case in downtown L.A., in Houston, in Dallas in Queens, New York, in Bailey's Crossroads in Virginia, in the uh, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And 
where we are today is we've we have an expansion plan and a growth plan that'll help us stay focused in terms of how we go about best optimizing and using our resources for a a disciplined growth uh, trajectory here in the U.S. So I wanted to ask about the most recent location. I think it's in Nashville where I am currently at. So believe it or not, Nashville is not the most recent location. It's not? Is there an even newer no, one? No, it's a, there's a newer one. Yeah, so we opened Nashville in May of this year. Um, in late, uh, actually the 1st of August. On the 1st of August, we opened our ninth location in Houston. Wow. And then just last week, we opened our first location in the state of Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. That restaurant opened last Tuesday, which would have been Tuesday the 21st, August 21st. What role does Pollo Campero have for Central Americans in the United States? The brand, the brand certainly resonates extremely well with the Central American community. There is a lot of a love, there is passion um, for the brand among Central Americans. I think it's a piece of home to them. It reminds them of their childhood, it reminds them of their countries, it reminds them of their parents and their grandparents and families getting together, which is virtually what Campero has been offering since 1971. How do we go about bringing and delivering a product and an experience that brings people together, that brings families together? So I think that when Central Americans see, eat, and experience the brand here in the U.S., it reminds them of home. It reminds them of where they're from. I wanted to ask you a controversial question. Do uh -oh. you <laughs> do you think that pollo campero in the U in Central America is not as good as pollo campero in the U.S. in terms of like chicken flavor? I hear that's a common thing that I hear. So I'm wondering your take on it. No, I think I think the food is just as good here in the U.S. as it is in Central America and the other way around. From a from a procedure standpoint from an ingredient standpoint from a recipe standpoint from a quality standpoint and an operational standpoint we are very consistent in how we go about delivering the pollo campero experience i think that the product the quality is just as good part of what has a big impact i think from what you were referencing that you hear is the whole nostalgia of yeah. the chicken that actually comes from another country or from the country that I'm from. And I'll give you a quick example. Um, as a Salvadoran, I love pupusas. And here in Dallas, I've eaten extremely great pupusas. But there's always something about eating pupusas when you're at home in El Salvador that makes them, that makes them different, that makes them I'm eating pupusas here in El Salvador. Um, and, and I think there's, there's some of that emotional element that plays into effect um, when we talk and we hear from guests that are either try the chicken here versus in Central America or the other way around. And that's where that comes from. It, there's that nostalgia of the fact that the chicken is where that the chicken that I'm eating is actually where I am from as well. That plays uh, to us at an emotional level. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you. I'm oh, sorry. I just realized I asked you the question and I was like, oh, I should have put this in the original questions, but I, that was just something that came to mind immediately because it's like, 
people always tell me this and i'm wondering what is your take on it as the marketing manager <laughs> yeah no no worries and, and and i think what's important to to say and 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 to clarify is that it's it's the same recipe it's the I'm same sure. recipe it's the same processes um pollo campero globally is one brand so we we want to make sure that no matter where you are visiting us in the world whether it's in downtown la or in milan italy or in santa ana el salvador that the product that we're offering to our guests that the experience that we're delivering is 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 one and the same we want to make sure that we're consistent from a brand standpoint so it's certainly something that we work on hard but i think as i was saying um and i think it's a very relevant question that that emotional aspect of it all of the the chicken that's actually coming from my country um, that i know and love i think that has a lot to do with with how people perceive the food when they're eating it in different places yeah i think it's so funny when my my dad and brother come back from visiting they'll bring like a little box <laughs> and it's like it's like such a big thing to a lot of my family members when they come and they bring it back and it's like ah, trajiste and then I'm like yeah like we have some and to your point it's it's also part of traditions right I think Latin Americans and Central Americans were all about traditions and especially those that involve families so there's there's really that tradition that I'm 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 going to take the chicken back to the US but I think that what's important is to to know and understand that you you can start new traditions around the brand that you love about the chicken and the flavor that you also know and love here in the United States in the different states where we have pollo camperos new traditions can be started around the same delicious plate of chicken with newer and younger generations so thank you i think that's a great way to close out <laughs> thank you so much for just being here and giving us the time to explain to us what pollo campero is and i guess the importance to you personally and how it has it's something that we all positively think about and is like a taste of home that when we miss home definitely and i think that um there's there's just a lot of love for the brand out there it's It's interesting because when we when we when we we're talking from a business standpoint and Pollo Campero's potential here in the US, I think that um everyone everyone understands the huge potential we have in this country, the country being so so vast and big. And and as I see Pollo Campero grow and as we all see the team here in the US and even the team back in Central America sees sees the the brand grow and expand here in the US as we open more restaurants. I think it's not only a sort of professional accomplishment for us to see the brand grow but and I'm I'm going to speak for me personally it's it's also a sort of cultural national personal accomplishment to see our brand from Central America come to the United States the biggest market in the in, in the world and and see us succeed see us um continue to delight um the guests and consumers that know us back from Central America that the brand means so much to us but at the same time bring in guests from all walks of life from all different backgrounds um whether racial or ethnic backgrounds and the the process of them discovering the brand that we love that the process of them discovering the flavor 
that we all know and love, I think is one that's very gratifying because we all know and believe in in the flavor, the quality, and the greatness of our products. So it's great for us to be able to share that with the broader American markets and also to give a piece of home to the Central Americans who, who, who know and love us. So so it's it's certainly a a role I enjoy tremendously, a brand that just as there's a lot of passion for the brand from a consumer standpoint, there's tremendous passion um, inwardly looking from from an employee standpoint because we all we all want to see Pueblo Campero succeed and we're all very very happy and proud of what we've seen the brand accomplish since coming to the U.S. a few years back. Thank you, thank you so much, Federico. This this really means a lot to us. So, thank you for for coming and. Yeah, I, we hope to. I'm going to go actually get Boyo Campero after this. I haven't been to the Nashville location yet, but I'm going to go like actually after this. So I was going to say, you guys are all, you guys and everyone, your listeners are always more than invited um, to come enjoy our flavorful chicken menu, whether it is by yourself or even better to enjoy with friends and family. Um, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll always find a piece of home when you come to Pueblo Campero. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I certainly appreciate the opportunity um, and, and it's been a pleasure. So how is it? What'd you get? <laughs> I got a three piece set. <laughs> There's a picture of me. I have a picture that my cousin took. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I got a three piece with some yuca, like yuca fries or whatever, mm. some yuca. And I forgot what else I got. I got like Ooh. a side of something else. I haven't had their yuca fries. I had a side of like coleslaw or some shit like that mm. or i don't even know what it was yeah it's but yeah it was good and i here's the thing i knew i would like it because i love fried chicken like i don't know why we didn't go and then i like theorized <laughs> and then i asked my mom and because my cousin said that my dad likes going every time they're in it's a lot of my brother likes going so i'm like what why don't we ever go yeah my and then it's like my mom like she's the culprit yeah. It's that Mexican hegemony. Nah. <laughs> she she doesn't like fried chicken. She likes grilled chicken. Yeah. No, yeah. So my mom... But you're a fried chicken person. I love... I mean, I like both types of chicken. My mom is definitely a grilled chicken person. And if my mom doesn't like going to a restaurant... If either of my parents don't like going to a restaurant, they won't go. Like, I know them. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to eat there. I don't want to eat there. So it's pretty interesting yeah. that my mom even went. It's like attached yeah. to the Curacao <laughs> in my city. So, yeah. We also don't go to Curacao. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Which by is Pacific? Yeah, the one on Pacific. Yeah, the one by the In-N-Out and the <laughs> CVS. <laughs> Shout out to Anita Park. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's like my yes. local Pollo Campero. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's nice. just important to talk about like Central American businesses and even just like, I mean, definitely there are a lot of small Central American businesses, Mm -hmm. restaurants, like just markets, you know, Central American owned just like entities, you know, but I think it's cool to talk about, I guess Central American like buying power, you know, Central American markets. No. Yeah. It's definitely like a a presence, you know, like it's not a rec- like a new thing. You know, the fact that they were willing to open a, a store in Nashville was just like, 
astonishing but it's like yo there's that buying power you know they're no they know they're making a sound decision and if your cousin went four times in the first month you know it's like there's clearly that demand for it and so i think it's very interesting to see that like you know literal businesses and economies are emerging from central americans living in the area you know my experience with like pollo campero was always like you know my mom likes it <laughs> but because she likes it more than the other fried chicken places around here she's just like you know they're not as good they're not as well seasoned and just the fact that like it has this central american identity to it or like closeness to a central american identity is what pushes her nostalgia back mm-hmm. but then i also think about like smaller stores yeah, yeah yeah it's the nostalgia and i feel like that carries over for a lot of people who live in like communities that are like really populated by central americans so growing up in la you know where there's a huge central american community one of the stores that i vividly remember from my childhood and i'm pretty sure you heard about it too is livorio <laughs> yes how they were the store livorio was like lit the, the central american store chain yeah it was like where you'd get your meat for your carne asada. I'm gonna you know, be real. Your groceries because they had you know the yuca and the platanos that you. I'm gonna be real. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Liborio was Central American, so I went to Liborio. Uh, like there was a Liborio really close to my house. Yeah. And the one on Atlantic in Bell. Mm-hmm. Shout out to anyone if anyone is from that area and remembers that Liborio. Shout and, out. And <laughs> yeah, and it closed down <laughs> after the recession, and. Yeah, that place was good. Like, they had, like, comida, mm-hmm. and they had all these other things. And my, we always went there pretty often. Like, there's a couple supermarkets in the area that, I mean, that we go to, but we would go to Liborio, like, pretty often. And it was, like, in my opinion, I don't know if how many people here are familiar with Superior. I feel like it was always a lot more, like, Latinx than Superior. Yeah. Because Superior doesn't have, like, a food court type of area versus Liborio did. Mm. Yeah, we used to have one in like the back part of the Livorio. So the Livorio that I would go to was the one on James M. Wood and Vermont, which is right by the the recently like renamed El Salvador Corridor. Like mm. back in the day, it wasn't that. It was just, you know, there happened to be a lot of Salvadorans in the area. And now the city of L.A. has grown to like name a whole area for them. Like it's literally in K-Town, basically. Yeah, it is. And it's like Livorio is just a spot where my family would go. Yeah, like there's literally a KBB on the same block as where that Livorio was. So um, Livorio had been there for the Latinx and Central American community. So like they helped out with a lot of teletons in Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador. And during Huracan Mitch, which was, you know, huge huracan that impacted a lot of Central American countries, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador, Livorio was there for like organizing food and like resources that people would like receive so Livorio has definitely been there but they went through it with the the recession so they used to have locations at least in the LA area around Pico Union Westlake Rampart Corridor Mm -hmm. because all of those yeah all of those areas were like heavily associated with like a Central American presence or a Latinx presence in the LA area and I so I think it was a very interesting, like, you know, there is that buying power and I miss it because now it's not a thing. Yeah, oh, I know it isn't. And that's like sad that I didn't even know. <laughs> uh, 
But there are still <laughs> some Central American businesses that are yeah, still thriving. There's still some markets. I mean, obviously, Boyo Campero is fucking thriving. They're opening in Nashville and in like Oklahoma and all these yeah. other places that you wouldn't think so. But I mean, <laughs> it's like we have to deal with the reality of the situation that more Central Americans are coming to the United States. They're a growing population. And yes. Hondurans and Salvador and Salvadorans and Guatemalans are like just coming and coming and coming. And now with like other things happening in Nicaragua, who mm-hmm. knows like how that migration is gonna like end up in like here in the United States. So I know that there is a little yeah. Nicaraguan like and kind of a little Nicaraguan block in Southgate with like uh, a couple of restaurants, mm-hmm. and those restaurants also sell like goods and stuff. And obviously, if you're yeah. familiar from the LA area, also well, sorry, we're gonna talk about LA. Like, sorry, y'all. Maybe y'all have your own little hello. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're spots maybe you have we wish your we own could spots. Shout them out. Yeah. <laughs> we really wish we could, but like, we don't know them. Maybe you have your own spots that are Central American, and yeah. you support them and support Central American, you know, businesses, obviously, but. There's El Turco Market in the El Salvador Corridor. And then there's the Guatemalteca, which is kind of like a... I don't really know how to describe it. It's like a restaurant, but also panaderia. Yeah, but like it's like cafeteria style type of thing. It's like... <laughs> but also grocery store. It's like yeah. a million things in one. But I know that it's a staple on... It's on Santa Monica, right? I'm pretty sure it's yes, on Santa Monica. Yes, there's one on Santa Monica. Near Vermont, really? Yes. Yeah. And they just opened one up because there's, like, a little uh, Guatemalan population really close to where I live in Maywood. And they took over, like, an old Mm -hmm. billiards, fucking probably sketchy billiards place. I'd never been there. (laughs) And they knocked it down and they built the Guatemalteca and, like, another, like, Guatemalan business, like, right next to it. And I've seen that Guatemalteca and and those Guatemalan businesses, especially when the earthquake happened, they like fundraised and there was like events there so it's just interesting seeing that when there is capital it's also a gathering place for people to meet each other nostalgia obviously a sense of community and to assist each other in a low-income area low-income community and just a community that is that is growing like a, a community that is ever growing for sure yeah, I feel like a lot of these places also help with, like, the, the adjustment process. So, for me, my aunt and cousins came to the U.S. a couple of years ago. And they would go to, like, El Salvador Corridor to buy a lot of products that they were familiar with. So, there's a truck that posts up right outside the little plaza, the corridor. And they sell red beans still on the vine. So what? you buy, like, a bunch of vines, you take them home, you, like, take out the little beans, you, like, let them soak or whatever, and then you can, like, cook them. Like, they have the whole beans on a vine thing, and my aunt and cousins would go and buy, and they'd bring us some, and they were hella bomb beans, you know, because they're, like, fresh. Granted, they're still, like, moved here and, like, brought over here or whatever, but they're fresh in comparison to, like, what you buy at the store. And so for them it was this whole experience of like we're going to this store like the el turco is a meat market that a lot of people like will actually go and buy you know meat that's like prepared in a certain way or they want products a certain way or like you know things that they can't find 
here necessarily they'll find in this store in this area and so it really works to serve as like uh like that sense of nostalgia that we were talking about a bit earlier about pollo campero it's just like these places are not necessarily playing on that but are working with that to help make the people feel more at home in an area that might not be their home yeah and while looking up things for this episode and you know trying to get our data straight i found an academic article about pollo campero in the united states (laughs) and like a literal market analysis (laughs) type of stuff like the amount of Central Americans in the United States, the amount of Central Americans, like, by state, the amount of just, like, Latinx people, and just discussing what is it about Pollo Campero that makes it so popular, and why it has been Mm -hmm. very successful as a chain, but also, like, thinking about, like, how can Pollo Campero branch out from a market that is not Central American, right? Because the boil, the boil's good. The chicken's good. Like mm. I like the chicken, you know. But it really does make a lot of money from that like nostalgia factor. And I mean, my dad also brings it from El Salvador, like on the plane. And they mentioned that in the article too of like, like uh, mm-hmm. how people noticed before they expanded to the United how many States. People were, like, bringing it in. People were bringing it on the plane, and that's kind of what popped the idea in their head of expanding the United States that people were literally taking it on the plane and the plane would smell like chicken. (laughs) So it's, I think that's just really funny that that's like a thing, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, Boyo Capero is like a, it's a current company. Like it's expanding. It's, it's, I, I don't know if anyone saw, I posted something that they posted on their social media doing like the Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> doing the In My Feelings challenge <laughs> and dancing and stuff. So it's like relevant, you know? No, yeah, I definitely feel that. And it's like, it's such a thing for like me or like you or like diaspora kids. It's just like you remember you know your family coming from somewhere in central america and bringing pollo campero you know like it was a thing my mom still to this day like our neighbors guatemala and when he goes to guatemala he came, he went recently and he brought us back some like panduce which was good but she was just like oh, i wish he would have brought us some pollo campero <laughs> <laughs> just because it's it's like a thing <laughs> it is a thing and so i i know that there's like memes of it also it's like when your family member comes from El Salvador and it's like these pastillas, these like different medicines, like the chanclas, the sufre, and then there's, yeah, and then there's the pollo campero. <laughs> like it's a staple. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, what's your, uh, so I'm going to ask another hot take. I mean, I asked it during mm-hmm. the interview. What's your take? Is the chicken better here mm-hmm. or over there? <laughs> I know you haven't been to El Salvador. Um, They've yeah, brought it to I you. haven't been, so it's hard for me to say, like, oh, yes. Uh, brought to me, I feel like, I I mean, I, it's just in terms of, like, I'd rather have it right away. So, mm. like, I'd rather have it here. But that's just my biased opinion. Yeah. But I have heard that it's better from over there and that it's it's just different. And I think it has to do with the way we raise our chickens here versus the way they're raised over there. Mm. But it's also, I love these theories. I <laughs> I feel like it most maybe maybe the recipe 
Yeah, no, yeah, because I'm just like, you know, it has a lot to do with where your chicken's coming from. It also has a lot to do with the seasoning that's used. But since it's more than likely the same recipe, that's why I just differentiate on where the chicken came from. I think that's a, that's very logical. Yeah. yeah, chicken in the U.S., I don't think it's as good as quality as it is over there because... <laughs> or is it better? I don't know. It's I just like 80% breast. <laughs> right? That's like why I'm kind of like, I don't know... <laughs> if American chicken is on par, the physical. I uh, so I don't blame Pollo Campero yeah. if their chicken that they get from the United States is good mm-hmm. or not. You know, I don't know their chicken distributor. You know, that could be a hot take. I'm not trying yeah. to disparage Pollo Campero because <laughs> I had it, and I mean, I basically I'm a new customer right after ten years. I mean, I was in the South, <laughs> like I had a lot of chicken options. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And I had some good chicken, but Pollo Campero is definitely. Like? How do you was, feel like oh. this Pollo Campero is going to change the demographic of like where it was located or like what it's going to do for the community? Like, what did you notice? Did you notice a lot of like Central Americans around there? Yes, there was popular? a Central American restaurant literally the a block away. There was a Salvadoran restaurant where I got some pretty good pupusas, pretty good empanadas. <laughs> And some good semitas and quesadillas. I, I kind of just basically ate everything there. <laughs> I literally had pollo campero, and nice. then I went there. And when I got more, I basically got it for m- my meal the next day. <laughs> so I just, I mean, yeah. I obviously there is a Central American community in Nashville, and the fact that. This is there made me really hopeful, especially for my family, you know, that they are still immigrants in a city in the in the South, you know. So at least this gives them some piece of like, okay, yeah. like we're real, we're here. And it'll be good. I think it's also interesting to think about like the the opportunities that present itself within like a space that is specifically designed for Central America. Yeah, because it's a franchising so, like, in San Diego when I would go to a pupuseria. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because it's a franchising opportunity. Like these are franchises. <laughs> if a Central American potential mm-hmm. business person wants to like take it on, they can because it's a it's like a I don't know it's like a McDonald's like franchise model where. You can start up your own restaurant wherever you'd like. Yeah. And then you buy, like, the branding, right? And then you get, like, you get the name, essentially, right? Yeah. So, dude, I'm, I'm so ex- I'm excited. We're talking about, like, markets. And, like, we're, this is interesting to me. No, no, it's true because, like, I, well, aside from, like, the economics aspect of it, I think about, like, the, the social potential. Because, like, in the uh, pupuseria that I'd go to in San Diego, when you go up to pay, yeah, they have all the, like, iconograph, like, you know, the, the icons that they have, like, the little colones, the, the, the woman making tortillas on a stove, like, a mantle of that. They have all of that, but they also have, like, local events at the, like, consulado, learn where the consulado is in San Diego, learn about these programs specifically catered to, like, Salvadoran or Central American communities, like, there was, like, Guatemalan events and, you know, other Central American events that weren't necessarily just Salvadorian. So I think about, like, the potential for that happening in this. So, like, people can learn more about, like, oh, there's going to be an event here this weekend. And I found out about it because I went to Pollo Campero for lunch and they had a flyer Damn. about it. Are you giving you know, them a like business opportunity? Connections like, like, like some that, ideas? that are going to come out. Well, I mean. <laughs> you got to save those ideas Maybe. for yourself. But Sam. it's more of, like, no, it's just, like, this is how, like, communities form. No, like, I, I agree. I agree. It's true. Movements can begin. 
Pollo Pero Catochac. I know. <laughs> Here's my idea. <laughs> I agree. Cut the check. No. <laughs> but I completely agree with what you're saying. Like, it is a space. It is a communal space. And the fact that it comes with so much emotional attachment means that it's very powerful. And that power can yeah. should be used for good. <laughs> it should. Okay. So, are you ready to close out? Yeah, I'm down. Okay, so, can you give me a bendición, Sam? So, I'm having a hard week. Sorry. No, no, that's totally fair. I think part of it is, for me, my self-care tip of this week is really ground yourself in the the aspirations that are to come so like you right now that you're in a moment of uncertainty or things that are just kind of up in the air you know like we'll see where shit lands basically it's just like ground yourself in that moment of like when you flip a coin and you really don't care what it is you know like as long as it lands on something what do you find yourself hoping for and where can you invest that energy and so i feel like a lot of the time we're told to channel our energy into certain things and i feel that that's where we can actually make a difference so my tip of this week is just really hone in your your thoughts on something that you want to create for yourself whether that's a an actual physical tangible thing or just like something that you want to be preparing yourself for and I feel like recognizing the power that comes with uncertainty, you know, like if you're doubting what you're going to go into, it's because you really care about what's going to happen to you. So I think part of it is like recognizing that uncertainty, yeah, it feels bad, but it's coming from a good place, you know, not beating yourself up because you're unsure, but recognizing that I'm unsure because I know that this next step is going to be a big one and I want it to be good for me rather than bad so i think recognizing more the power that comes with uncertainty the power of like hoping and just recognizing that time is just moving forward for us and all we can really do is just ride it and try to make something happen no that really helped me a lot <laughs> yeah. being away and all that stuff I mean, it was just, it's just been really emotional for me. Like, everything. Yeah. Like, a lot of major <laughs> things have happened to me in the past, like, month. And will continue happening to me next month. Yeah. And I really, I have said it before, like, I'm at capacity. And, I mean, it's good that I'm able to even say that, right? And, I mean, I'm definitely at capacity. Yeah. Like, I am. I am straight up, like, drowning, you know? I called my <laughs> parents today. Asking them for help, yeah. which was, like, really hard for me. I was, like, crying, yeah. talking to my mom and asking her, like, I really need this, like, support, mm -hmm. this type of help. Um, like, I don't, I don't know exactly how the situation is going to happen. I just need to talk to you because, like, I've been really stressed out about this. And, you know, you don't need to help me with anything. You don't need to help me with money. You don't need to help me with shit. Just, like... Please support me with this. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom was like, <laughs> she was like, oh, I thought you were calling me about your job. And now you made me all emotional, too. <laughs> yeah. And my mom, it's just so funny. But 
And she told me to stop being a chiona. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> Let me be a chiona. Um, but it, it was good. And I'm glad that I have a community. <laughs> and I'm glad that it's just going to be flourishing once I move back. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the things to look forward to. I think I, I understand that there's a lot of like uncertainty there's things in the air about a whole move back because you know i went through a similar thing last year i think that in a way it's just kind of like i gotta figure everything out but you're leaving like the place that you've lived on your own the the connections that you made out there and just having to readjust to all of that is it's a lot to take in add on top of that the realities of like capitalism the realities of like what it takes to make it, what it takes to be first-gen American, you know, all of these things on top of it is just, it's a stressful time for just about anyone. And so I can acknowledge and recognize the power that comes with just being vulnerable and being able to ask for that help because you need it sometimes and you're not going to get it if you're not asking for it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. (sighs) I feel better. <laughs> so I think that's a really good note to close out on. <laughs> yes. Get some fried chicken for some better feels, some comfort. I mean, food. there's always going to be a pollo campero wherever I go, Sam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that should be the, the move goal, right? Like, there, there's got to be a pollo campero somewhere near us. <laughs> if there isn't, I mean, figure it out. So thank you to Pollo Campero mm-hmm. for being down just to, like, <laughs> converse with us they uh, didn't sponsor this episode which is totally fine but you never know in the future (laughs) i mean i'm down for a free chicken (laughs) coupon (laughs) like (laughs) you know i just need one for a pollo campero fucking 2019 car yo there's a picture of me (laughs) with a pollo campero car (laughs) just say so it's gonna be the, the fucking thumbnail of this episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would, I would be low key down. Like, let's get a pollo campero car. <laughs> yeah, we should. All right. Oh my god! Thank you all you know, so much. Cut for the check, listening. and we're there. <laughs> yeah, cut the check. That's all we need at this point. Like, we'll talk about it at length. We just, just need the check. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank y'all. Hope y'all have a great rest of your day or night and stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.